0: Steps in Charleston, they now can try their slipper and see if it fits. At the big ball, East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Under Perea lays it up. One point four. Pereira hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Ball Milwaukee's game. Spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow, He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave. It's over, ball game! Touchdown, one Stinson! 25 yards! J.J. German
1: for the win! He got it! J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs! And the sidekick. shout out to my friend! What's your name, man? I told you! It somebody.
2: doesn't matter what your name
1: is! You're handsome, you have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Oh, what a
0: glorious day. If you are an ETSU fan and if you didn't watch it, it was an exciting five cent affair. ETSU upending the Tennessee Volunteers. I don't want to say Mike Gallagher called it in five yesterday, but I am saying Mike Gallagher called him five. He's Mike, I'm Jay. Sandos and the Sidekick, another edition, and it was. Um, uh, unbelievable, Unfortunately, I decided to, uh, not unfortunately, I brought my kids, which I wanted them to experience that, but with a six-year-old girl and twin three-year-old boys, we clearly, uh, my third set was winding down before they had lost full composure, and uh, the fans beside us, around us, I think were... A little ready for us to go, as my kids were too. So, uh, we left and and uh, able to uh, follow it the rest of the way from the house. But it was a, a fun, exciting. I wish we could have saw the final point. But Mike, I don't want to still thunder. You were, you were in it, calling the action uh, the whole way, and you had a gut feeling that the Bucks would take it in five, and certainly it played out that way. Well, Do I have you on the wrong headset?
3: Here I am, here I am. Here oh, I there, go. We are. there we go. The switch headsets. Yeah, okay, that sounds good. Uh, so I was absolutely – I wasn't shocked by the result because, as you said, I kind of – with the bold predictions, I've been on point lately. It was LSU over Miami I uh, did that one from the weekend. Also had uh, the Bucs uh, volleyball team with three straight set wins over this past weekend as well. Those two ended up being correct, and so I'm on board with ETSU volleyball. And saying it was going to be a five-set thriller that the Bucks would win yesterday – it was something to me that, yeah, I mean, people look around and are going to say, well, University of Tennessee coming in 6-0, and Eve Rackham clearly has them. You can see how this is working here. I've got the headset and then the other <laughs> headset's kind of cool. So Eve Rackham <laughs> comes in and does not have a loss as a coach yet um, after coming over from the University of North Carolina. And ETSU is the first one to deal it to her, and against all odds. I mean, it was 7 nothing in that fifth set. Remember, in the fifth set, it's a race to fifteen. ETSU rattles off nine straight points and they call the timeout down five nothing and you thought okay that could be a momentum changer they needed a break needed a blow needed a respite to compose themselves coach Devine has been doing this for a long time she's going to be able to calm them down and get a little sense into uh, her ladies and have them come back out firing and show more of the ETSU volleyball that everyone is used to rather than that uh, fifth set at the opening which looked kind of disjointed and just didn't look like ETSU had their best and then They come out of the timeout, and they lose the next two points, and you're like, okay, well, this is it. I'm pretty sure everyone in the gym, you know, wrote them off at that point. Nine straight points, and I don't know what changed the momentum. I'm looking forward later today to asking Coach Devine when she joins us at 11.45. She's one of our guests today, but uh, the Buck Nation really brought it last night. I mean, you were right in it for, you know, as a fan watching from – um, the seats, and so uh, I don't know what you thought, but from where I was sitting, it could not have been a better atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I thought the energy was great from from the fans uh, that were there, the student section, that, and, and we were sitting in the upper level, uh, where actually a lot of staff were. There, were. there were a lot of ETSU coaches and administrators and, uh, and faculty staff. I mean, it was just a lot of ETSU uh, folks walking around campus, and we were up there uh, amongst a, a very vocal part of the student section, And I thought the the energy was phenomenal. They were in it. And, again, I still say this. I think women's volleyball is about as exciting as a sport because everything's a point. You know, it's not that way in any other sport that I can think of. I guess tennis. But other than that, everything is worth something. It counts towards something. And so, you know, momentum swings now, I would argue, the old way with the side out. and You had to serve to get the point. Yeah. uh, first game the ETSU that, that's how it was and they made the transition to the side out scoring and certainly it's made it more exciting but I still think that it showcases athleticism and power. I I just think there was a couple of balls that were hitting that game had a little extra juice on it and, and certainly there, there was some emotions, you know, referees having to, you know, make yeah. a call if it was a pancake or not, both sides on mad both about sides, things. Yeah. And I mean it was you know, it's fast and furious, and the poor little line girls, they, they get out there to, to throw the flag up yeah. and down. There some groans. And, yeah. you know, the, you can tell fans are in it when they respond to that. You, you know what I mean? Sometimes like, oh, who scored a set and another? But yeah. the way that the volleyball, I, th- I think, is interesting is they'll point to the side that, that wasn't before they point to the side against the point. So it took the fans a while that maybe don't normally watch volleyball to figure that out, to know to cheer or boo. And then after a while they started to to boo and get into it. But the crowd was unbelievable. I thought uh, one thing that that can't be understated was the humidity inside the building. There were so many people. That's about as hot as – I guess normally because women's basketball is so cold outside, it kind of – Bounces a little bit. It was hot yesterday outside. Oh, it was and the two thousand people. Sweltering heat inside. inside Brooks Gym. The sweat that was dripping off myself, and I'm sure uh, many other folks that were there. And would love to hear uh, from other folks on on if they were there and and how that went. But uh unbelievable victory. Lindsay Devine will be on the the final segment. Shifted the show uh, to get her on. Lando's Land will be on with us. Our mystery guest Wednesday will play. But you know, you you go back and look at that and. ETSU had to come from behind. You know, they lost the first set, win the second one pretty handily, lost the – and really got kind of dominant there in the in the second set at, uh, yeah. for a stretch. Third set, you know, it's was back and forth, and Tennessee ended up uh, kind of in the middle kind of taking over. Then the fourth set ETSU went on a stretch, picked up that, and then you're right. I, so it was almost, you know, you're, you're down – one set to none, and you're down two to yeah. one, and then you're down in the decisive fifth set, in which it's a shorter game, so you didn't have a lot of room for air.
3: They had an answer at every step of the way. Tennessee really put it to them there in set one, and I think that after set one, things were kind of going how most would have expected. Yeah, ATSU was hanging tough, you know, NCAA participant last year, and certainly expected this year to do similar things with most of their core group back Riley Milhorn, the only senior that's gone off that team from last year and a couple others that left the program, but didn't really contribute a whole lot. So with the core group back, you expected that game to be competitive, did you expect him to pull out a five-setter? Uh, not sure if that was on many people's minds, but it was an ebb and flow on each side, and Tennessee has some talent. I mean, Tessa Grubbs off that left pin, six-three, and she was hitting at some angles that I haven't seen in Brooks Gym before because she was getting so high above the net. She was hitting 10-foot line consistently. Addison Rowe, um, she, to me, looked like the second-best athlete that they had. She was elevating at a high rate also, and then they were welcoming back Alyssa Andrino, who had missed the previous Five matches with an ankle sprain she suffered against Michigan State in that upset win for the University of Tennessee in their opener in front of 2300, which was a program record for them. ETSU didn't fall much short of that last night, coming up just about 300 fans short, but um, every step of the way ETSU came back, and it was early on A.J. Luck. She had six kills to no errors, um, and, and then you saw her kind of take a back seat. Kayla Massey came in, and someone that's usually known for being a complimentary piece offensively. Middle blocker with that tremendous trio of Braden Tutton, Mariah McPartland, and then Kayla. And those three were big also defensively because nine of the first 12 blocks went for Tennessee. They were really exerting their authority at the net. And you could see Leah Clayton was getting rejected a bit, but then she found her way, and then ETSU defensively started to excel, and they got nine of the next 12 blocks. So things really flipped as the game went along, despite being outsized as they were by Tennessee with the, the Rose, the Grubs, the Andrea and the specialists were back too for Tennessee, much like for ETSU. You know, early it looked like things could get rough, but then everything just went ETSU's way over that second set. Third set, as you said, Tennessee got it. I think the rule change to go from ten minutes to five minutes, because it dropped down to five minutes between the second and third set, um, was I don't know if it made a big difference in the game, but definitely made the match feel more like one event. I, I think that 10 minute intermission was always kind of a momentum killer, not only for the teams, but for the fans, but no one left between that second and third set. I know you had to leave cause you're a but that's okay. Well, we'll give you a pass for that. But because of that shorter intermission, I, I think it really did feel like more of a flow happened with the match. And, um, I guess it benefited ETSU. I don't know if the timing had anything to do with it, but they came right back out. Um, after winning that set and looked all right there in the third before being beaten in it and then they even it up in the fourth take the last two sets so um, big victory second consecutive one against the University of Tennessee the other one coming back in 2013 after losing I think it's the initial 11 to the volunteers but massive upset Um, how much of an upset it is I'm not really quite sure because ETSU is expected to be so good this year but I think on paper you look at it and say wow that's a landmark victory for the Bucs.
0: We'll step aside for a timeout. Uh, Again, big win. We'll talk to Head Coach Lindsey Devine uh, about that uh, a little bit later on in the show. Landon Owen will be with us. We will also have our mystery guest, and we'll try to reload this thing and get it going if you're watching on Facebook Live. This is and Sidekick, the podcast. Don't forget, you can download a SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can subscribe every day. We update it Monday through Friday, barring holidays and some unforeseen travel schedules or something that may come up during the year, but we'll try to have something for you, ETSU, every single day of your work week. Back with more Santos and the Sidekick after this break.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. hey, hey, everyone settle down. What, what's all the commotion about? There's a new instant game launching in August? It's only a dollar?
0: And there are 12 different versions featuring 12 different dogs?
2: Celebrate the dog days of summer with the new Lucky Dog
1: Instant Game. Collect the whole litter today, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Citizens Bank and
3: our growing lending team are excited to support the game broadcasts of the ETSU Buccaneers. We are proud to provide a lineup of options that fit the needs of local businesses, whether it's an expansion loan, remote deposit service, SBA loan, or Treasury Management Services, we can help your business grow. Visit our website or your local citizens branch to speak with a qualified lender to learn more. From everyone at Citizens Bank, go bucks! Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.
2: Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go bucks. I feel like day after day, it's all the same. I know there's more out there. I I just can't reach out and grab it. (laughs) Does that sound crazy? Um, no, but I'm a butcher. Perhaps a nice seafood dinner would help? Gosh, that sounds great. Excellent. I'll steam some shrimp for you. Really? No one's ever said that before. At Food City, our butchers can't solve your existential crisis, but they can offer a ton of other great services you won't find at most other grocery stores. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City.
3: City way.
1: Rump,
3: Trudeau, Trick Daddy, Tram the Insult Comic Dog, Who's next? I don't know what's
0: going to happen! The Secrets.
1: Sandos and the Sidekick.
3: One of my favorite bumpers. Mystery guest on this Wednesday, Sandos and the sidekick. I am the sidekick. That is Sandos. He will be working on our live video stream here during this segment. We had a chance to catch up with Hagen Owenby. He is our mystery guest this week, 2015 through 17, a member of the ETSU Buccaneer Baseball Program. Hit 30 home runs combined his final two years. Such an impressive player that caught a lot at ETSU. And more recently has been playing a lot of first base, D.H., and catching, I guess, less regularly for the Rome Braves. He was drafted early on in day number three in the MLB draft in 2017, played last year in Danville, hit roughly 240. Uh, this year, though, having some more success offensively up around that 280 mark. And specifically going into our conversation was getting very hot at the plate as Rome was making a playoff run, the promotion from Danville coming very early on in the short season right at the end of June. So Hagen Owenby had some time to take about, I'd uh, say, 10 or so minutes with us on Saturday morning is when we had this conversation. He's got so much going on just that he found time for us at all. Really appreciate that. Hagan Owenby on Sandos and the Sidekick. Hagan, thanks for taking some time to join us during a really busy part of the year for you, the minor league season winding down, and for your squad, the Rome Braves, we appreciate you stepping away to come on with Sandos and the Sidekick. Absolutely. Firstly, I'd just like you to talk about this season. I'm guessing you spent some time down at extended spring training before the short season in MILB started in mid-June. You ended up only spending a game in the Appalachian League before getting promoted to full season A in Rome. What have the last six months been like for you?
1: Uh, Well, the the last six months have been a grind, man. Uh, I started in spring training. Um, Spring training is a... Like a hard fought, because it's hard fought time because everybody wants to to make that that club for the season. Um, So the first month is uh, is 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 up 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 tempo and high energy and all that. And then uh, then once I found out I was staying extended, I just kind of kind of took it as I'm just going to get better and uh, I'm just going to try to give them no choice but to send me to Rome. And whenever I was uh, I was just going through extended, and I ended up staying the entire time. I uh, I was like, well, I guess I'll just go to Danville and just do do better this year. So that, that was my main thought, and I was I was always was always about just doing better than, than what I would than what I had done in uh, the previous year. So my main thought was just to work hard every day.
3: You had a full season at Danville last year, and now you've had a good two two and a half months at full season A. Can you tell us from your eyes the difference between the competition level in the Appalachian League versus in Rome?
1: Um, I would I would honestly just say that there's not that much of a difference, but there's just more experience at this level. Because um, you got guys that have been in full season A for at least two years now, and usually whenever you go to short season, you only spend about a season there. So uh, I would say the experience level is just a little bit higher. Um, I mean, talent-wise, it's, it's a little bit better, too, obviously, because it's a higher level of baseball. But um, but the experience level really sticks out just whenever you just look at all the guys across the board and you're just like, all right, this guy can play. Um, so I think that's the main difference. Um, but then again, you play 100, 148 games or something like that, as right. opposed to 70 games. So it's, that's, that's another thing, too.
3: What about last season? There were so many adjustments you had to make going from metal to wood bats. Of course, the schedule is so much different in pro ball. You're pretty much playing a game every day, a bit of a positional transition as well. You went from really a full-time catcher at ETSU to DHing some, playing a little bit of first base, and now this year, a lot of first base. What did you find most challenging, and just how much of a transition would you say that it was? Um,
1: Probably the most challenging would be uh, just not... Not knowing that you're in the lineup every single day mm-hmm. uh, at ETSU. I mean, I was in the lineup every single game we played. Um, so the preparation, the preparation for the games that you are in the lineup is is really key whenever you're whenever you're in that position. Um, and when you get the pro ball, there's more than just one guy that that can play every single day. You know, so it's I mean, they, it's not like there's going to be that one guy that's in there every single day, every single game. Um, so that's that. That was the tough part, but uh, um, the transition from from playing just just catching all the time to playing some first. I mean, it's been good. Uh, I try to take ground balls every chance I get. Um, now that we're in August, we don't really do much extra work, um, just because of all the games so that we've actually played this season. Um, they try to give us, they try to give our body a little bit of a break. But uh, but when I first when I first transitioned to first base, uh, uh, I, I I really. I really took a lot of ground balls uh, just trying to get the, the the fluid motion of just fielding a ground ball and, and making a play with it and it's uh, it's helped a lot and then this last this last month just, I just I've played first every single day so it's it's been in game stuff where I'm learning learning new stuff that I got to that I got to get uh get, get down for the, for the position and that's helped a whole lot
3: maybe you'll dispel what I'm about to say but I think a lot of people look at the catcher position and think of it as a very tactician's position very exact very precise I think some though also look at first base and say well with your footwork and everything you're expected to do over there it can be a bit the same do you find any similarities between the two positions?
1: Uh, I mean for me personally there's there's not much there's not much the same but I mean you got to catch the ball and you you, you're your your the action part of it's it's you got a lot of action when you're over at first and behind the plate. Um, I mean catchers is a lot faster. First base, you really gotta you really gotta take your time. You really gotta um, to slow the game down because if not everything's gonna speed up real quick and that's when you can make mistakes. Um, behind the plate you can you can speed the game up real fast and and uh the ball's gonna be on you before you even know it so that, that, they're, they're pretty they're pretty different but I mean in some ways one helps the other and, and the other helps the other too as well so I mean it, it it all works out
3: seems like especially lately you've really gotten into a nice groove at the plate three straight multi-hit games and five in your last date have you felt like you've been swinging the bat with more confidence have you felt more comfortable
1: Oh absolutely um, I mean it's just knowing that knowing that you're gonna come to the park and you're gonna be in the lineup that day um, is, is definitely a confidence booster for sure. Um, yeah, I mean it's, it's really hard to get any kind of groove whenever you're hitting twice a week three times a week at mm-hmm. the most and uh, and when, when you know you're gonna be in the lineup every single day you, you know you, you know what you got to work on you know what you got to prepare for you know the picture you got to look at so uh, they, they have all the, the information for us when we get to the park. And if you need to look at your swing from the night before, you can look at your swing from the night before. So, um, just being able to, to, to get good timing down really um, is, is the key. Is the key to hitting in this league. You get you good timing down, and then just hit that one fastball they throw to you. So, um, I, I definitely feel a lot more confident.
3: What are some of the memories you have? Just a general high-level umbrella look view at your time at ETSU. And when you do think back to it because you were here for a number of years and had so much success, I imagine a lot of good things come to mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a really, really tough question. I mean, I, I just I just like to think back at the time I had in college of, as really fun. Um, I, did, I, didn't really, I didn't really have any low points in college where I was just like, God, I just I don't want to be here. You know, ETSU did a really good job of like want like making their students want to be to be at that school, and uh, and Coach Gold did a really good job of making his players just want to be at the field and play baseball every single day. So it's just it's just like the the, the preparation that that we had on the field and the preparation that we had in the class just really set set me up for succeeding, um, even either in the business world or in the professional baseball uh, realm of the world. So it's just.
3: Uh, I, I don't really have any any uh, any complaints at all. Coach is now at Citadel. Do you still keep up with him? Keep tabs on Coach School? You ever talk to him still?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he'll, he'll shoot me a text every now and again. I'll shoot him a text every now and again just to say, hey, how's it going? You know, just keep tabs on one another. And uh, and he, he's doing he's doing really well over there. I mean, he's got a, he's got a good group of guys that. I want to play for him, and that that program just really loves Coach Gold. You know, I mean, he he came from there, so um, he's in a really good spot.
3: I saw you at a few games over at Thomas Stadium this year. You had the chance to make it up before you went and did your pro thing this year. What did you think of the new head coach, Joe Panucci's team this year? Did you have a chance to chat with him at all or discuss uh, your time at ETSU or his time at ETSU? And for some of the guys you know on the team, how do you think things went this season for the Bucs?
1: Um, yeah, I, I I really like Joe a lot. He's, uh, he, he, he worked with me a ton, you know, like I, I needed to get some swings on the field and he was like, Hey, come on out. You know, I mean, he never really, he never, never told me that I wasn't allowed to, to hang out with the team and whatnot. He actually, he actually was all for it. So it, it helped me out a lot to get ready for the season. Um, and I really appreciate that. But, uh, um, honestly, I don't, I don't know how he, I don't know how he, uh, he did settling in or anything like that. I didn't really, I didn't really talked to him much about it, but uh, I just know that he he welcomed me with open arms, and that was that was really cool. Um, and as a season, I mean, it, it was a good season for him. I mean, they 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 were right around five hundred all year. Um, as a first season head coach, and now everybody just got to get get more comfortable and think they're going to be good.
3: Over this next week or two, you've got some big games coming up. Rome's making a playoff push in early September. You've uh, got some playoff games. I believe it's the fifth, seventh, and eighth. If I looked at the schedule correct and read the website for Rome right. Uh, talk about finishing up this season and what you're hoping to accomplish. Obviously, when you get to playoffs, you want to bring home that title. Uh, do you feel that your team is ready to do so? Uh,
1: yeah. Right now, we're playing some pretty good baseball. We uh, we won we won our last four games. Um, and we're, I mean, we're, we're we're pitching the ball well, and last night we really swung the ball well. Um, so I think if we can if we can lead that over, we can we can make a run in the playoffs for sure.
3: Well, after these playoffs are over, what's next for you? When are you back to baseball activities?
1: Uh, next is uh, I'm gonna go home. I'm gonna take off about <laughs> two weeks probably um, before I really do anything. Um, just gonna get back after it in the gym, um, get in shape for the next for the next spring training and and just. Just hanging out with my family um, while I while I while I got while I got that time at home. Last off season I spent in Jupiter, so this, this off season I'm gonna spend it uh, spend it in Knoxville with my with my family. Um, and me and my fiance are getting married, so I got a, I got a pretty big off
3: season. Oh, it's awesome! Congratulations! Great professional year and a pretty cool personal one too. Uh, last one. We'll get you on your way, Hagan. We appreciate the time again. What's your general level of satisfaction with being a pro ball player? With it being the grind that it is, some guys get burned out pretty quick. I don't hear any of that from you. But how has pro ball treated you overall? And how do you feel about that grind that you talked about?
1: Uh, I mean, I, I love it. Uh, I mean, if you if you love baseball at all, being a professional baseball player is your dream. So um, you just wake up every single day and know that you're just going to go play baseball for a living, and it's I mean, there's nothing to complain about. I mean it's the best it's the best thing in the world. So I mean obviously, yeah, it's, it's hard, but don't get me wrong, but still you're you're out there playing baseball, so you don't have to wake up at six AM to get ready for work, you know? So it's just it's just uh it's the everyday grind. You gotta love it or you gotta get out of it.
3: Well, Hagen, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. Congratulations on your success this year. Good luck with the wedding and moving forward to next season we'll catch up down the road, okay?
1: Awesome,
3: thank you. Now that question to me, Jay, that last one, great answer from Hagen, but it was an important one because I think with a lot of people, and you've been around minor league baseball players, I've been around minor league baseball players, I think for a lot of minor league players that it's really difficult To go through that day to day grind and sometimes going for five, six months at a time, it does just wear you out. And you're not getting paid a ton of money unless you do have a big bonus. Hagen was lucky enough to get that. Atlanta really believes in him, uh, a high draft pick. And so he has a little bit of nest egg to uh, go off of. But some of the later round picks, you may not see that dedication. You may not see that players are going out there every day and having that same fire that same energy and it is difficult when you're playing 130 140 games a year so to me knowing that Hagen is in it and he still enjoys doing it a couple years into pro ball that is a big step forward in his maturation his progression and shows me that he may have a bright future in pro ball
0: well I think he had to you know dealt with a lot of those guys that have played at ETSU and gone on to, to minor league careers and sometimes it's things they talk about that you know sort of they get it or they understand it or, or do whatever and a lot of things that he said during that you know led me to believe that he's got a good attitude moving forward because you know it is a business and and there are certain things you know you, you try to talk to guys that are in their thirty, fortieth 40th round pick and you're like look you know the year before you they had you know x number of guys picked that many rounds before your rounds so if you're picked in the 30th they had 29 guys drafted in front of you the year you got drafted the year before you got drafted, and guess what? In the next year's draft, they're going to have 29 guys drafted the round before you, so it's an uphill battle even if you have a good year. I mean, Paul Hoylman, similar career that Hagan Owenby had. Uh, You know, you're talking about a home run champion, guy that lit up the, and of course Paul holds all the home run records at ETSU, and he actually set uh, I think it was the high A uh, hit streak for the Chicago Cubs, and still got released that year. Uh, and not only was it just for the Chicago Cubs for the league? He, he set the league mark and hit two eighty and all those things, and you are going up. But they also drafted nine first basemen the year that uh, Paul Hoyleman got. So the the numbers game came out. You know, scouts sometimes you they're looking for things that nobody else is looking for. You know, sometimes it's such a a driven business by numbers, and baseball is 100% married to numbers. And so sometimes you think, well, we're looking at numbers, we're looking at this. You know, his numbers seem like he should be there, but there's obviously other things. But when you're a higher draft pick and they give you bonus money, you get a lot of benefit of the doubt before – um, you know, they decide that that you're not with that organization or they need to go a different direction, whatever it is. So uh, Hagan's in a good spot because of that. But also some of the things he said uh, as far as attitude is, is working and, and treating it, you know, in the position of catcher and first. He's got, you know, first base is not a normal position. I think that, that he plays, uh, or he played a lot, even high school, college. So, you know, he's got to learn a position. He's got to figure that out, you know, slow it down, all the things that – you know, you hear uh, him talk about. So I was excited to hear the interview with Hagan. Glad he's doing well. I can't wait for Mr. Wednesday to see whether it's an ETSU person or somebody else to, to get some of the questions answered. And, you know, and he's, he's got his head squared on straight. Instead of going to Jupiter and hit a little bit, he's going to get married. You know, he's going to take care of, Glad to get uh, some time. of that. And, yeah. you know, he hadn't seen his family for a couple of years because, you know, if you go straight from – End of the season. Now you might have two weeks before you go to Jupiter or winter ball, whether that's in Florida or Arizona, and you you play a little bit there. And the next thing you know, it's March and you're in spring training again. So he's going to have some time to, you know, recharge the batteries. And the truth is, Knoxville, there are plenty of places that if he needs to go hit, he needs to go – do whatever he can keep sharp there and of course if he's really struggling there 109 miles up the road he can come to Johnson City and coach Panucci as you heard him say gladly allows him to to hit on the field in the cage or whatever else he needs plus it's not a bad thing for ETSU to have a a guy that's still making his ways in the pros around the younger guys to talk about work ethic and things that he can share not just his ETSU time but what he's learned in the pros.
3: Rome starts their playoffs on uh, well, tonight actually, and then they'll be back on the seventh and eighth. So the Rome Braves in the playoffs, taking and be hopefully a good postseason coming up.
0: We'll step aside for a timeout. Santos and the sidekick. Don't forget to download us and listen on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe and download on iTunes. We're back with more Santos and sidekick. It's Lando's Land. What's he going to talk about? I don't know. We'll find out after this short timeout. This is the Buccaneers Sports Network.
4: Nicewanger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 trauma center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit nicewangerchildrens.org. That's nicewangerchildrens.org. 16 state of franklin road in johnson city
3: here's the deal at wendy's every hamburger is made with fresh never frozen
2: beef now here's the big deal you can get a dave's double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef along with small fries and a drink for just five dollars when you download the wendy's app and the real deal that's a whole lot of delicious wendy's food for just five dollars download the app today Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada
1: at participating Wendy's for a limited time.
3: Mullican hardwood flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mullican's pre finished, sold, or engineered, ready to install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's Kitty locations to learn more. Dockery's floor covering. House of Paneling, Carpet and Door mark, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, and Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor
2: Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring.
3: New coach, new era, new day. Here from ETSU football head man Randy Sanders, all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz still hosts from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640 the Extreme Sports Monster.
1: For the land of the free
4: and the home of the
2: brave. It's Lando's Land with Landon Owens. Go, go. We got the team.
3: feels to be a fan of the worst organization in professional sports
0: well why don't we ask him oh, <laughs> Landon Owens, ladies and gentlemen that's a great segue with his uh was that really the peak uh 1986 that was about it right uh, now we'll say this uh you, <laughs> Sounds you, well now <laughs> now i'm gonna bring you up a little bit i'm gonna bring it up a little bit land i'm gonna bring you up a little bit you ready at least you had a met break a Met record which was thought to not be breakable, which is Jacob DeGrom, right, throwing the most consecutive uh, games under three earned runs, right, breaking Dwight Gooden's record. So you do have that that going for you.
2: The question is, is can he win the Cy Young with less than double-digit wins? Because there's not much season left now, right? We're in September. He's got, what, three starts left, maybe four, and really, why are you trotting him out there, other than the fact he's having this historic season? Uh, he's just been unbelievable. And he's doing it and driving in his own runs. In the last three starts, I think he's driven in his only runs of <laughs> So,
3: Carlos Beltran, Jose Reyes, David Wright, Mike Piazza, they're not coming to rescue that offense anytime soon.
2: Um, well, it's funny you say two of those three because Jose is actually on the team and no, he's not coming to rescue them. Uh, <laughs> which is David ironic. Is actually traveling with the team now, but is not active.
3: I uh, did see that. I thought that his career was done and dusted quite some time ago. So he actually apparently has some baseball left or so think the Mets, or is it just one of those feel good things to put people in the stands?
2: You know, I think he thinks he has some baseball left. I see. Um, which I look, I, I'm a big David Wright fan. Um, he's been one of my favorite players and he just does things the right way been a good Matt he's a top three or four five at worst Matt of all time Uh, he's the captain you know he deserves to go out on his own terms but uh, he's kind of killing us financially so I wouldn't be surprised to see him get back at least play in the play in the big leagues he's got two young daughters that haven't seen him play Uh, I know that's important to him Um, so I think once he does that he might hang him up
3: but realistically...
2: Cause, because we are still paying Bobby Bonilla. Maybe he can come in and be the <laughs> Which was
0: genius. Uh, so Bobby Bonilla did. Yeah, I don't know who uh, his financial planner, Man. or whoever he talked to was genius. Said, you know what, you're going to sign your last contract, big money, but instead of taking you know, the the two, three years money up front, just get them, you know, when you turn 40 or whatever, just take the million dollars a year or whatever that it amounts to and go. But It's
3: like winning the lottery. Bobby Bonilla won the proverbial baseball lottery because you have the ability to take all the money up front, right, in the lottery, and you get a a lot less than you would over a long period of time. But Bonilla and and smart lottery winners, not that we've been one. Jay, you've certainly tried a decent amount. But uh, we definitely – I think the better choice is to go over the long term and take that little bit here and there, and by little bit, I mean it's a ton of money, but it's not as much as you get up front. Bobby Bonilla, a very smart man, his financial planner as well. The New York Mets, of course, end up looking stupid again.
0: We digress, of course, here on the shows. We always do on Santa's Design Kick with Landon Owen and Lando's Land. And um, last week, uh, clearly you were – picked uh, west virginia right in tennessee that was the the place if you weren't at dtsu game tailgating that, that i know you were as a good buck fan and uh i'm curious uh, your thoughts on the previous college football weekend as we kind of gear people towards where you would go this week
2: a lot of fun you know week one is always just a great it, not only is it week one it's college football's back you know that's always the biggest thing everyone's going to have that same feeling this week with the nfl um, but everything's back with college football, and there's massive matchups. Auburn-Washington was a very impactful matchup. Uh, some weren't, you know. Alabama absolutely destroyed Louisville. Um, it, you know, so not every one of those neutral site matchups pan out. LSU took Miami to the woodshed. Virginia Tech jumped up, surprised Florida State. Um, so a lot of good storylines moving forward. Some coaches on the hot seat. Some perhaps quieted some chatter. Um, you know, so we're looking forward, but week two is always just a kind of a wasteland of important games um, going back a couple of years when we had our big game up here battle of bristol you know one of the reasons uh week two worked so well is because we were really the only big game uh so game day came it was just a, an amazing uh experience for everybody that was here uh, but you know week two is tough you know i even I even looked at, hey, we going to a D3 game this week? You know, it's, it, it was rough to find some, but we did find one, so we'll come back to that in a couple minutes, I'm sure.
0: Oh, I would love if you picked a, there Listen, there's some of the best college football, and I'll say this, uh, there, there are some great level football, no matter what. So so not always, and I've argued this with, with folks around this area, because in locally, you know, Science Hill DB, that, that's the game you got to go to, right? That's the rivalry there, but You know, Elizabeth and Green was pretty good. But I'm telling you right now, if you ever go to a uh, Hampton – Right, you, uh, Hampton Johnson St. County, John, Hampton Saint
3: Thomas, back in Minnesota, Wisconsin has some good rivalries. D three, you're speaking my language now mm-hmm. with D three football. I remember D three guys. So there's there's some certainly on every level, as you said, in every region of the country, some good football to be had.
0: Well, and and Landon, right? You you played at at, at Wingate, so certainly the D two level, near and dear to your heart, and and stuff like that. But I I I I thoroughly believe some of the best games and rivalries are not necessarily when we had Parker Schwartz, who was uh, the GA before you, he he went to DePaul mm-hmm. uh, with a W, and they had a long-standing rivalry. And now I'm drawing a blank on it, but they had a long-standing rivalry that they had played 112, 13 years. Yep. You know, they go wow. to each other's campus and vandalize. and I mean, it's one of those great college Beautiful. rivalries, wow. painting uh, different stuff. There's a, a, you know, not to to bring up the Randy Sanders streaking, but there is some streaking involved <laughs> in that rivalry and some other things. So. Now, Landon, let's talk about that real quick. You obviously heard the quote, and if you're a, a Buck fan and you're a transplant Buck fan, and we appreciate that, if you're in the stands and the Bucks pull off the miracle and Randy Sanders goes towards the goal post as he's stripping down, do you, A, go with him, and it's twofold, do you go with him fully clothed? Do you strip down as well? Do you wait to maybe he gets it down or somebody puts a towel on him before you go help
2: um, I'd I'd go with D, none of the above.
3: Oh, what are
0: you oh, talking about? What's oh, that's oh, no fun. what are you, what are we doing? You're no diehard. <laughs> what, what kind of buck
3: fan are you? I you mean, know, I, mean I mean, I radio <laughs> answer. No, man, I'm
0: keeping my
2: clothes on. No one wants to see that. Are you at least? Well, it know. doesn't
3: matter if no, no. That's I'm the thing, interested. though. It doesn't. I'm
2: interested. <laughs> I will. This is what I'm doing. I am standing. I am clapping for a man that's
1: true to his word.
3: Uh, here's yeah. my thing. How can you be so calm in that situation, though? So if your team goes in and pulls off a Appalachian State-Michigan type upset, I wouldn't be able to physically stop myself. Like, it wouldn't be a choice. I would just have my body and hands doing whatever because that's just how it goes in that kind of situation. And so I would be down in the field, and me and Randy would be uh – uh Taking that goalpost out of there together. I've already
0: talked to the crew about what we're going to do in the booth if that happens. Uh, are we going to strip down and try to go down there and not just go naked? Radio. No call. The yeah. Way? There's just no. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I, naked radio on two fronts. There's actually nothing. I just drop the headset and leave the booth and never just leave the gear there yep. and never come back. Yep. Or uh, or do we just finish the post game show naked? I'm not sure. Are you right? just starting the game? I, naked. I can tell Pre-emptive you that, naked. I can tell you the the crew is very anti the second option. They've already informed me of that. So. Uh, but we digress okay back to what i really want to know
2: clap for the crew we're all in favor of radio hosts keeping their clothes on <laughs> even,
3: radio. Even, even though you can't radio. see it you're just the the you're painting the picture and it's a picture you don't want to see <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and 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 if we're if we're in the trust tree here you know i think my wife voted to keep my clothes on so if that tells you what we're going with that so uh landon quick question for you landon land landon, every wednesday he'll be with us uh Let's talk a little bit about where it is. You've looked at the schedule. You've kind of hinted that you have a game that you want to go to this week. So the three questions I really want to know, number one, what game is it? What is there a, to do other than the game or the buildup to the game? And then, obviously, you being the, the golfer dot crusade.com and everybody can join the crusade if they want. I've been on it several times. What golf course would you play?
2: Gotcha. All right. Well, game day, you, that's always a good place to start. Where's game day going? Because they try to go to the biggest game of the week. But they go to the biggest commercial game of the week. They're going to Texas A&M uh, to watch Texas A&M and Clemson. Uh, Jimbo Fisher, first first game, SEC, ACC, back against Clemson again. You know, some interesting storylines there. Um, Penn State-Pitt, a big old-school rivalry in the Northeast. Very important in recruiting. It's actually a really good game. Um, you know Pitt gets their number, it's kind of one of those games records don't matter, but it's in an NFL stadium, and while Pitt does a great job there, it feels just like a bunch of Steelers fans there in their Steelers jersey waiting for tailgating for Sunday already. Um, so Penn State will draw a big part of the house, and uh, so we're going to skip that one, if it was at Penn State, maybe. Um, but along those lines, Iowa State at Iowa, the Cy-Hawk trophy, they're going to meet for the 66th time, so my dad had an old saying of, ain't nobody from Iowa. I've met like two people from Iowa. <laughs> I'm going to go there, I'm going to go there and I'm going to meet some people that are from there and I'm going to ham it up. Um, one of the neatest traditions, um, it, it kind of pulls with the heartstrings strings, is pregame at Kinnick Stadium, which is a great stadium. It's, yep. it's definitely on my list of places to go. Um, they do the wave. There's a new children's hospital and they wave to all the kids in the, in the intensive care units up there and in the, in the you know, a bunch of sick kids. I mean, what what better than to raise some spirits than to have them watch some college football and seventy-five, eighty thousand 80,000 people just waving to you? Uh, it's, it really gets the gets the game going. Opponents do it. It's just really cool to see. Uh, I'd love to see it in person. Sneaky good rivalry regardless of the records. Uh, it's a state with no professional teams, so everybody's going to be tuned into that. They're both from Power 5 League, so you got that inter-confer- intra- interconference conference uh, rivalry going on. Rarely are both teams ranked. But I think that's what makes it so fun. Um, last year, if you want if you want thrilling stuff, Iowa won 44-41 in overtime last year. So I think that tells you how entertaining this game is going to be. You've got the coaches at polar opposites. Kirk Ferentz is the dean of college football coaches. He's been at Iowa, longest tenure coach in FBS. He's been there since '99. Matt Campbell at one time was the youngest college, uh, coach in FBS when he was back at Toledo at age 32. Um, he's a few years older now, he's only a year older than I am, and he's now coaching at Iowa State. Um, Last week, Iowa won 33-7, but ISU's game was postponed due to weather. So I'll pose it to you guys. I like to throw a question at you. Does that give Iowa State a leg up in prep, in that there's no tape on them um, in game prep, or a disadvantage? Maybe they're a little too tight. They got up for the game, didn't play last week. You know, how do you think that – where does that slide? Who has the advantage, Iowa or Iowa State?
0: Well, I'm just going to be honest. I don't know if I was – I think it depends on uh, the number of people they have back. For an example, for Tennessee, clearly a lot of young guys, new system, you need to get a game in, and they would like to have had a game in before they play West Virginia. Uh, I do think if they returned – I could see both sides of it. I certainly see where if you return some key pieces – And you didn't have to show a single thing last week. Boy, there's some cat and mouse going there as opposed to Iowa where there clearly is taped. They clearly saw some things to work on. So, without knowing that, I'm going to say Iowa State. I'm going to give them the advantage without knowing if they're rolling out a lot lot of young guys.
3: Yeah, I'm with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got nothing else. That was a great breakdown. I got nothing that, else to add to that. I might
2: drop in there, money. Absolutely. <laughs> well done. What am okay. I doing? I honestly, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to go around. I'm going to talk to folks who's from Iowa. Um, look, I'm from a tiny little town in upstate New York with two stoplights, so I'm I'm no better. Um, I looked at some things. I'm actually from a town called Waterloo, New York. There's a Waterloo, Iowa. That's too far away. I looked at the Field of Dreams site. How close is that? That's on the completely other end of the state, so that's out. So probably just playing golf. You know, we'll go back to that. Um, Des Moines Country Club hosted the Solheim Cup last year. It's the women's version of the Ryder Cup. Um, I rarely watch LPGA, but I was intrigued by that one. Um, I like watching different courses on TV you don't see all the time, and that was certainly one that looked great. Um, it's private, probably, I would guess. They got 36 holes there, and you know, you, they rarely bring those places to private to uh, public courses. Uh, but I try to weasel my way out there. If otherwise, if I couldn't, Tournament Club of Iowa, is uh, really high in the Golf Digest rankings uh, for in-state, and it's it's right between Des Moines and Ames. You're probably flying in Des Moines and driving up to Ames. So, uh, I'd probably go there. Uh, but I'm going uh, I'm going Hawkeyes 34, Cyclones 31. Another close game, but I'm giving the edge to the team that played last week, and the fact they're at home, they're going to take they're going to keep the CyHawk Trophy in Ames. You're you're first.
3: Well done.
0: All right, Lando's Land. Landon, we appreciate it. Look forward to seeing where you're going to head next week.
3: Say congratulations to Lindsay Devine. She's here with us about the big victory over Tennessee last night.
2: Congratulations, Lindsay. Thank you
4: so much. Thank Country you. Appreciate
2: Road. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. Country <laughs> roads proved to be the better song. That's all
0: I'm going to say. Co- uh, last, uh, I had a last question. Oh, uh, so you said you knew two guys from Iowa. Is that both Steve Forbes and Jason Shea uh, on the basketball staff, or do you know two other people from Iowa. i know
2: two other guys i had two guys
0: um see you know four what are you talking about four so four
2: yeah all right i had two
0: guys that i worked with at
2: virginia tech that were from iowa one went to iowa state and the other one went to iowa i think so uh i might have to go to the game with them it'd be, it'd be a good time
0: all right landon appreciate it. see you next week bud
2: gentlemen take care good luck this weekend
0: thanks landon all right it's landon owens you heard Lindsay Devon sitting next to us we'll talk to her sanderson the sidekick don't forget you can download us On SoundCloud, you can also subscribe on iTunes, download us, and listen to us there as well. More Sandos and the sidekick, the winning Lindsay Devine from last night's volleyball match. will talk to us about that game and about her team so far this season after this short break on the Buccaneers Sports Network.
4: Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets, high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever.
0: Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson.
3: Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank & Trust makes applying for a loan easy.
4: Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off, when it works for you. And after you submit an online application,
3: you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC.
2: This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching
3: your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. For all your printing needs,
0: Sandoz in the sidekick final segment. Mike Gallagher, the winning head coach from last night's volleyball match, Lindsey Devine. And let's just start there, coach. Obviously, a huge match. You get, uh, first of all, it's always for, for any of our programs to get a Power Five school to come play at your place is special. And we always enjoy when they come here and we win. And certainly we did that. A very exciting five-set match. I thought the crowd, the atmosphere, right. the match was incredible.
4: It was. Uh, you know, I give a lot of uh, thank you to our athletic department, our marketing team. They did a fantastic job of promoting this game. And like you said, having UT come up the road to play us on our campus in front of our home crowd was pretty special. And uh, you know, a win against any team is always great, and, but in front of a crowd showing the great pride that we have as, um, you know, the family of the Buccaneers was very special for us.
3: What did you think of that atmosphere? I mean, Buck Nation really came out and supported. Tennessee set in attendance record for their program, their first game of the year, at over 2,300. We were much off that last night, over 2,000 reported. So really felt like, especially in that fifth set, on that huge comeback, falling behind 7-0, yes. getting nine in a row with every point, <laughs> the crowd was just hanging on every hit. It was incredible.
4: It was. Uh, you know, I was so happy to see the people that uh, filled our stands last night. We have a great product in volleyball, and so I think that uh, they recognize and they have recognized that for a number of years. So, uh, with the new renovations in Brooks and being a blue out and bucks Bucking, bucks and and just uh, you know the community completely supporting these young ladies, uh, they they were they gave us the emotion in that fifth set. Uh, I think that people were a little on edge, you know, going down seven zero. Um, But I saw such calmness and confidence in our young ladies. uh, And I, I really, I believed in, and that's why I had the greatest seat in the, in the house. I was able to sit back very calmly. I knew that they needed that calmness from me and I wanted them to soak up every minute of that and enjoy it. In the
3: moment, and then also looking back, I tried to diagnose where exactly things turned. because you call the timeout, and it's 5 nothing, and that's when, of course, people think, all right, well, we're going to get a respite, going to come back out firing and have sure. a chance to come back. But then the first two points go against you, and so mm-hmm. it's 7 nothing. but... Then you get the nine straight, and I was thinking, well, maybe it was that strange call on the other side from the referee that I hadn't seen. You've seen so much more volleyball than I have, so if you could explain that by all means. Um, But I didn't know quite where it was. It just seemed like everything flipped on a dime. Was there one point where you said, okay, this comeback is for real?
4: Well, I think, you know, you're right, going down 7-0 is, is tough, and it can really mentally um, take you in a spot that you don't want to be. However, um, UT was out of rotation, um, which means that um, the down ref was able to recognize that somebody was not in their correct spot before the serve um, was um, occurred. So that kind of you know, was the first step of kind of bringing, shifting the momentum back to our side. And then um, I can't remember what the next point was, but it just all of a sudden things just, if you, if, and that's probably the message I kept telling them, just, just have fun with it, but really kind of make sure that we stick to the game plan when we deviated from the game, game plan. In um, a couple of those other sets sets, and in moments, then there was um, a little bit of disorder. But uh, I think the leadership of Kavarda, Kavarda was unbelievable the whole match. And then you add into that, you know, Mariah and AJ and Popche and, I mean, uh, and Leah and Haley and Kayla Massey. I mean, everybody did their part. So I think it was just this collective. They came to the middle and they, you could see it in their eyes, and you could see it in their body language. They just said, hey, one point in a time, stick to what we need to do, stick to what's got us here, we're going to be okay.
3: Early on it was A.J. Lux offensively. Yes. She was incredibly efficient and was making the most of her opportunities. She's really in that solidified number two role yes. with Leah Clayton being mm-hmm. number one this year, and both have done so well. Mm-hmm. Leah's really, um, I think last year, you know, a bit up and down hitting. Sure. The hitting percentage was about eight. I think right. it was 180, if I remember mm-hmm. right now. It's up around 270, and uh-huh. so she's really taking big strides. And then A.J. last night, you could see her at her best. She kind of faded a little bit in terms of um, the opportunity she was getting late, but then Kayla Massey came on. Sure. And it just seemed like one player after another, with the constants being Maria Popovich mm-hmm. and Alyssa Kavarda.
4: Right. Um, that's the hard part about playing us is that, if you look at those stats, you know, um, three players, four players had double-digit kills, so you're spreading an offense out. That's a lot of people uh, that an opponent has to take track, you know, kind of keep an eye on. And when, when Kavard is able to spread the offense out, you don't, just don't know who's going to get the ball. But when you go back to also that deciding moment, uh, Kayla Massey had a single block, um in set five which again just really regained the momentum back on our side and we were making small adjustments throughout the entire match and then it clicked for her which was was fantastic to see
3: I've got one more for you I know we're kind of running short on time Jay I know if you want to sneak another couple of questions in here but it's now two wins in the last two attempts against the University of Tennessee so both the wins and the program's history have come Mm -hmm. under your guidance I think that First win, I think at the time, a lot of people looked and said, wow, this is a UT team coming off five straight NCAA appearances back in 2013. But that was kind of the beginning of a long stretch where they had some difficult years under Rob Patrick. Mm -hmm. But now you see Eve Rackham coming, and it looks like the team is kind of reborn and has a lot of returning talent. Does this matchup win mean more than the one previous or do you see this one as more influential in your season Uh, can you compare the two and just what it means with this team in Tennessee looking as good as it has to get this W
4: I think both wins are special because I think the uh, the 13 team Um, you know they're very deserving of that match they they followed the game plan you know the likes of Jeannie Rutledge and Megan Devine and uh, Meredith Hardy that was a special group also so that was a great win for that that team that program and now this this team this program has a different a different mindset Um, and you know for those seniors it's the last time that they're going to be able to play uh, Tennessee so they wanted to make sure that they soaked all that up and and perform to what they're they're capable of playing. So each each win is very special.
0: Since it's my show, I'm going to extend the uh, <laughs> time you. of this because uh, right. I, well, I, I got questions I want to talk to. And you know, if we were on Roll radio, which we're trying to get the show to, we'd we'd have to cut you off and go. But okay. we don't have to. It's a podcast. I can Thank make you. it last as long as I want to. So sure. my question is because one of my favorite teams, I got a chance to cover. Has some similarities, I think, to this team, and that's the 06 07 team, right? Sure. Yes. And it started with uh, what, what we loved as one of the greatest nicknames in volleyball, the California Trio, right? You had yes. the three Californians with Emerson, Jennifer Emerson, Sarah Burr, Crystal Palmer. Yes. You also had another senior, Jen Sartor. And then I thought the junior class, Kana Pana was from Hawaii, yep. Callie Kislich from Colorado, Marissa Mortenson from Illinois, mm-hmm. and. Um, Michelle Mislin was a junior, and then you had uh, Sam, old Kristen Prochie, <laughs> Prochie right? Yes. Right, that was a freshman. That team went twenty-five and seven, mm-hmm. perfect in league play. Yes, uh, but it because there were so many people coming back from the year before, and so and then you added a couple new pieces. I think uh, I was upon his first year as a JUCO. Mm-hmm. You had a few, but to me, I can see similarities in that oh six seven, which again was uh, I'm probably partial because it was my favorite team to cover that you had. Right. Uh, but I see some s- similarities in that team and this team and they just ran shot through the league at that point. I'm not saying you're going to this year, but I can see some of the leadership qualities, some of the things that some of the ladies do that are good. How would you compare those two teams? And and do you think I'm close in comparing those?
4: I I think you are, Jay. I think what you just said about leadership, leadership is uh, a deciding uh, factor in a team's success. And, you know, Nani Emerson loved, loved that young woman and who she is now and who she was before. She was beyond her years in maturity and she was a, a road warrior. She had a, a an, an uncanny ability to bring that group together and figure out ways to get the most out of them and, and get them to play so hard for each other for our program and for our school. Um, and now I look at this group and again, it comes back to leadership and Kavarda has just come into, you know, being the best version of herself, both off the court and on the court. Uh, and then you add to that, the, you know, as I've been saying, you know, AJ Lux and Leah, I mean, the list goes on. And so it's, it's just this, um, this belief that the, the group, the, um, the '08, you know, the 06, 08 group had, and it's this belief that this group has, and I think there's so many things that you can build when you believe in something so strongly, and and they believe in themselves, they believe in this family, and and that's why it's the why not mantra for this year.
0: and you've got I, obviously the, the resume built already. If, if people look at names on the schedule, you see Clemson, obviously, you see yes. Tennessee. Now you're starting to see it, and I I don't think the ladies needed any help when their confidence level, but certainly knowing. Uh, that they can do that. And, and the last couple of times you've been in tournament, you've been in Kentucky, you've been in SEC yes. school. Certainly, again, that experience, and you know this, and mm-hmm. uh, coming off a team that's been to the tournament, they've been there, they've had a taste of that. They desperately want to get back to that. And then to have the start of the season yeah. you have, the obvious question is uh, how do you keep uh, it going? How do you keep them hungry? Mm-hmm. Or because you mentioned the leadership, you don't have to necessarily uh, get on to the ladies that are kind of self-policing.
4: Right. Um, you know, we, we've certainly enjoyed the last 24 hours. Okay. And now it's back to, we got to now be back in the moment, train in the moment, live in the moment. Uh, so we, we got out of the gym last night at 10:30 as a group and they were back in the weight room this morning at 7 a.m. So I think that they understand what is, is involved in playing those teams and being able to schedule those teams. So um, there's this, um, this, Mission that they have decided that, you know, it, it's going to take a lot of hard work. But if we keep staying focused and not looking too far ahead, and and really just trusting, uh, trusting and believing in what we're doing, um, you know, success is going to come our way. And and that's just another great thing that those words—they're only words—but when they are now believing and acting upon them. Again, those are the winning ingredients to our success of what we've been having so far.
0: You've got a couple of tournaments, and, and in between the tournaments, App State's uh, coming down the mountain to sure. play, and then you start conference play. Just talk about the last couple of tune-ups mm-hmm. before you get into the league play.
4: Yes, well, we head to Duke this weekend, um, and we will be definitely tested there because we have Coastal Carolina, Cincinnati, and Duke. All great programs. Um, Cincinnati has an outside who, on average, is like 30 kills per game. She's just taking over matches. So we got to figure out a game plan against her. Uh, And Duke, um, you know, they're they're a different uh, type of athlete there. They're tall, they're athletic, and they're extremely talented. And Coastal, has a, a little bit of an international um, uh, team flair into their makeup. So again, there, there's three different teams that we're, we're gonna have to face and just gonna have to play hard. Then we finish up on road. We go back to Western Kentucky and um, we got Washington State uh, also there and and Northern Illinois. So out of those six matches, and then you add up State, we got High Point in there. You know, a lot of, uh, I think out of those programs, five are in the top 50 right now in the country. Uh, So I think it's great scheduling for us to head into our conference and and seeing what we're capable of. You know, typically ETSU volleyball has always been road warriors. We like to go out in the road for some reason. I guess it's up to the coach who schedules these things, but um, we're going to go figure some more things out this weekend um, and we're going to enjoy every minute of it.
0: Coach, we appreciate the time. It was an unbelievable win, unbelievable atmosphere, and glad to see your program taking off, and always love to catch up with you.
4: Thank you, you, Jay. Yes, I I can't thank enough to our fans. They were, I mean – that was, it was hot in there. <laughs> uh, yes, it was. But we uh, we really just thrived uh, on on the environment and our our fans in in around here in the community are the best. So.
0: Once you get in league play, we'll we'll catch back up with you. Okay. Thank you, Jay. Thank All you. Right, that's Lindsey Devine, head coach, ETSU volleyball. Huge win last night. They're off to an unbelievable start, and I uh, hope keep the train rolling uh this weekend in Durham, North Carolina. Mike, final thoughts on today's show as we move into tomorrow.
3: Well I think it's a great way to start Tennessee week, quote unquote. You get the victory yesterday, now you got women's soccer against number sixteen, volunteers on Thursday. And and we'll talk about that tomorrow. To, yep, and then go into Nealand on Saturday. You get one, why not get two more?
0: Crazy Coach Thursday debuts. I can't wait for Pump that as that. we Tom decipher uh, everything that's going on there and yep. then uh our uh, Philip Fulmer, AD Tennessee, right. will be on with us as well. So, jam packed show tomorrow. We'll have that for you. Big thanks to all of our guests Hagen Owenby, Lindsey Devine, and of course, our, our uh, Landon. Landon Owen yes. for Lando's Land. So, big show. We'll see you tomorrow. More Santos in the Sidekick. Don't forget to download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. This has been a production of the Buccaneer Sports Network.